I was on results mode. I wanted a specific result or outcome and I could get it with this job as opposed to purpose mode of like, well, I want to live my life this way. So I didn't want to be an executive. I wanted what the executive did for me, that role. Me not acknowledging this voice saying this to me and instead be like, no, it's I'm just not happy right now because I don't have the executive job. Once I get there, that's going to yeah. do it. And instead, when I got the executive job now, it was like I always say it was the point at which my ego and my authentic self finally were on equal footing and went at each other. It had always been ego winning, ego, 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 ego. And my authentic self was down there going like, this isn't what you want. And once I got the job and then something just was like, yeah, this doesn't feel very good. That's where my authentic self stood up and be like, okay, look, we're going to do things my way. My ego didn't go down quietly. Like, oh, you're right. Go ahead. You do your turn now. Now, man, that whole year, this was 2017. So I was 38. That whole year was miserable. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I didn't do, I, I was just a shell of myself. So it was just, it was a complete shit show because the inner battle between who am I and the ego saying, you don't see what we've done. Like, you know, between those two forces inside of me going at each other. I think I've had those moments in the past, but it was nowhere near the cataclysmic event that I had over the course of 2017. That was life altering, life changing, bottoming out, rock bottom, but my soul died. It felt like in 2017, it was terrible. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Go Abundance Tribe of Millionaires podcast. I am the guest host today, Grant Warrington, with my beautiful co-host, Jamie Gruber. Jamie Gruber is a Go Abundance member, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and the host of the show. So, Jamie, uh, excited to have you on here. I'm excited to dive deep into questions about Jamie Gruber. I know a lot about you, but um, some things I don't. I guess maybe I haven't listened enough. So I'm excited to hear your story, man. Blocking me out. You're blocking me out. No, man, this is great. I'm excited. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Your idea too. So I appreciate you proposing this. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm going to make a note of that. Finally, I'm getting the credit. Great. Just once. So don't forget, you guys, if you love this podcast, or even if you don't, subscribe to it. Um, like it and also apply to goabundance.com. No matter what level you're at, there's a level for everyone. So just make sure you do that. And uh, we'd love to have you. So let's, uh, if you're ready, let's let's start back at the beginning. Because like, like I've said, I said this earlier, like you've lived here, you've lived there, you've been all over. Now you're in the Dominican Republic, right? So like, yeah. where, where do you come from? My mom. And Besides, um, let's fast forward just a touch. Oh, okay. I was going to go through the whole birthing process, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll leave that out. So, uh, yeah, I was born on Long Island, New York, uh, South shore for anybody that's from the, the tri-state area or downstate New York area. Uh, and I lived there for what about six years. So what's funny is my, we, we lived in this little house in a town called East Islip. My grandfather, my mom's dad passed away when I was six my mom didn't want to sell the house in the next town over. So we moved. I, I did kindergarten and first grade. Then we moved for second and third grade to this other town, right? In the in that in the middle of all of that, my dad, who was a plumber and he was like a service manager at a big plumbing company down there, my mom was stay at home at this point, um, was getting kind of sick of the grind of the of Long Island, downstate New York, all of that stuff. And he bought this like hunting cabin in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York, you know, like in the sticks, like it was a dirt road. The driveway was a quarter of a mile long. You couldn't even see the house from the road. It was like a, a a real built log cabin. Like 
it wasn't even done well. Like in the winter, you'd feel like wind coming through the walls and stuff. And it was just a, a hunting cabin and a place we'd go. And then he decided we were going to move there. So we end up picking up everything from Long Island and we move and he becomes like a, I don't know, like a $14 an hour tech from this you know leadership position. He took this big step back. And now I'm in a new school in fourth grade in upstate New York. And, um, and it was complete culture shock. Like it's New York. People think, oh, you know, busy and driving and Long yeah. Island is more like that. New York City is New York City. But then when you start getting further and for- further north into New York, it becomes more and more like, a, I don't know, like a, a faster Kentucky. You know, it's not okay. It's not New York City type vibe. So yeah. I had an accent. I remember I, I didn't say ask. I'd say X. Let me ask you something like that was my accent. No kidding. No shit. Uh, dog, all of that. Like I had a full Long Islander yeah. accent. Right. And I'm moving up to a place that doesn't have that accent. And if you're from New York, you know this upstate and downstate just don't like each other. Downstate feels like upstate's a bunch of rednecks. Upstate feels like downstate is a bunch of cocky assholes. And they're both right. Having lived on both sides, they're both right. Yeah. So anyways, I moved to this new school. It's fourth grade. I'm new. I've got this thick ass accent. I'm obviously not from around here kind of thing. Mm. And I got the shit kicked out of me every day, like swarms of kids, not like one bully, but like eight or nine. It was a routine. They would chase me around the schoolyard. One of them, they'd run like patterns. One would like get out in front, trip me. I was like being trapped like an animal. You know what I mean? But it was a full on bullying. I was completely bullied in fourth grade for God months before I finally said something. It's funny. I see this in my older son. Now I'm so, I'm such a, I'm a people centric person. Mm -hmm. So telling on them, it wasn't like I was scared they were going to do something to me, but it was like, well, I don't want to get them in trouble. Like this empathy I had in me was ridiculous. And I see that in my seven-year-old right now. So I can, it's, I can feel myself going back to that time. He's not being bullied, thankfully, but if ever it happens, I can see how he'd feel yeah. that way. So yeah, I got bullied all the time. And finally, because you were new? I, yeah. Cause I was new when I was from long Island, I was a downstate kid in upstate. It would be like, got it. I, I don't know. I can't, yeah, I don't yeah. know of another part of the country that would be like, but I mean, yeah. imagine you show up and somebody sounds like I do now. Yeah. Uh, all these kids do. And then there's me going, Hey, hey what's, let me ask you something. Is your dog. Going to come over to my bowl and say something because if you do, I got to tell you. Yeah, like that was literally how I sounded. Yeah, as like a seven and eight year old, right? Like, <laughs> and you were probably bald back then too, right? No, 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 no. Oh. At that time, I had two older sisters, and they were all into uh, six years older and four years older, so like kind of older. And they were oh. it was the eighties, late eighties, right? So they were all into yeah. like Motley Crue and Poison and yeah. Dokken and all these. Oh, yeah. I remember all the hairband posters in their bedroom. So I was trying to grow my hair out. Now, what was interesting oh. is my hair is more like froish. Like it grows outward, not nice downward, but I was like insisting. So I had like this big fro that kind of grew down, but it, it didn't move. It was, it was wow. like a solid helmet. It was unbelievable. Like it didn't look wet when I went underwater or anything like that. So no, I'm, I was a hairy kid. So yeah, so I, I, I show up and get bullied. I finally tell my parents, they come in, it kind of gets all resolved and everything. And, um, uh, uh, but I remember from that time, as I look back and reflect, man, I think I learned back then, you know, uh, how to be funny, <laughs> how to leverage my personality, how to, how to do a lot of things. But one of the things I also learned back then is, is I go by going through that is I got a people please to be safe. So I've done a lot of people pleasing in my life. I've let things go way too long that I should end or get out of. And we'll talk about hmm. that just because okay. I, I go back to that time and I learned, I mean, I was, it was beat into me. 
uh, two things were, one thing was beat into me and one thing was beat out of me. What was beat into me is if I please people, I will be safe. What was beat out of me was my accent. I lost the accent. It wasn't, it wasn't going to stay because that accent was getting me, getting the shit kicked out of me every single day. So I, that they beat that out of me and I'm kind of glad they did looking back. That's a wow. terrible accent. That's so. crazy. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about you. So that was fourth grade. So I'm there in that school until ninth grade. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I'm I'm just sort of part of the school. All the bullying had stopped. I had for, actually a lot of those bullies became my friends as we aged and all yeah. of that. And then we merged or got absorbed by a much larger school. So now keep in mind, I went from Long Island graduating class, maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred um, to this graduating class was 30. This little town in the middle of nowhere, upstate wow. New York, kindergarten through 12, one building, 400 kids. I mean, it was small. The next town over absorbed us. And so I was shipped to a different school for 10th grade. And it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me for me because I hated school and I I couldn't not show up in this little school with 30 kids because everybody would know. But there I could skip. I could play hooky. I could not go to school. So I barely made it through 10th grade. I mean, I if I showed up half of that year, truly, I'd be shocked. But I got by on on, I don't know character, wit, interpersonal savvy with teachers. I mean, it was kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but I probably learned how to how to sell a little bit in that time. The next year, my parents moved from this little hunting cabin into the town that's, that's sort of like below it. But the little hunting cabin was in District A and the new town was in District B. So 11th to 12th grade, was a new school. So I went through five different schools wow. throughout my entire, you know, sort of, you know, pre-college career, if you will. And um, by this time, man, I was good at meeting new people. I was good at making friends. I was, I was just, I could not only, I didn't blend in either, man. I, I became like a force no matter where I went. Like I learned how to show up and be, you know, hmm. visible and, and uh, impactful so much so that literally like senior year, I was, I was the prom King. I was there two years, but I was voted prom King in my, in my second year. Well, um, I got this, I got this alumni. There was like one alumni award and one other award given at graduation to like upstanding, you know, students in the school. And they gave me the alumni award. It was like a $5,000, um, uh, what do you call it? Scholarship. It was a, like kind of a prestigious wow. award. Yeah, yeah. But I had, I had in two years, I had sort of dug roots and became known as part of the fabric of that community and that school. That, thanks to a lot of moving around. Thanks to a lot of jumping around. Wow. That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. That's awesome. Yeah. What uh, one question I, I want to talk about your dad real quick. Are you going to at one point, because I just know the stories about your dad. Are you going to have him on the podcast one day? I might, I might. I'm, I'm he's, he's, uh, Dude, he's 70, to. he's 72. He'd enjoy it. He would say he wouldn't want to do it, but I, I might, I might, I'm at least going to interview him and you know, who knows what happens in the future. I, I may release it if, uh, and they may not release it immediately after filming or maybe I will, but we'll see. But yeah, I do want to have him on. Yeah, he he would be hilarious. That would be oh awesome. My God. There'd be three key terms like, uh, uh, well, let me ask you something. That would be something. That's <laughs> like you say that all the time. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Uh, look at me. Look at me. Or listen to me. That's not look at me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm like, I'm I'm talking to you. I hear you. I'm right here. What do you, you don't have to pre-preface it with listen, uh, listen to me. Listen to me. Like, okay. And what's this other one? Uh, oh, forget about it. Yeah, forget about forget it. About it. Oh, forget about He's it. like, He's like a plumbing gangster in my mind. Like I've never met him, but just all Joe these Pesci. stories. Yeah, yeah. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. No doubt. That's awesome. <laughs> so 
you, so you're out of high school now, right now, yeah. now, what do you do? Do you go to college? What did you, uh, what'd you do? So in, in high school, I had this dream of being an NFL broadcaster. I've talked about this. Hmm. I, I did, I got my com- non-commercial broadcaster's license, which essentially means you can do college radio, no commercials on it, you know, sort of a public radio broadcaster's license. And I was pretty good at it. I mean, I had a voice for it. I'm pretty quick on my feet. I was hmm. doing, I don't know, whatever music. It wasn't like, uh, any sort of talk radio or anything. But at the time, also, I was working at Ponderosa. Do you remember Ponderosa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So 16 years old, I get a job there as a buffet boy. And actually, I loved it. I I remember that was like, that was the coolest thing, getting a job and going behind the buffet. Like, that was so cool to me at 16. So I had this job. One of the waitress's boyfriends was a local radio DJ. And he heard that I wanted to be, you know, a sportscaster. So he had me come into his station, WZOZ, Oneonta, New York, 101.3, I think, uh, or 103.1, 103.1. And he's like, hey, man, come in and do football picks every Friday. And wow. so I came in on the first Friday. I rolled through my picks. He was like, that's really good. Come back again. And I came back again and again. And eventually it became like a segment. Like I had a little, you know, a little audio lead in and all that stuff. And it was like a wow. you know, 20, 30 minute yeah. segment I had on local radio making picks. And I remember thinking this is pretty cool, but it was also like a lot of work. Like I loved my football team. I loved mm-hmm. football. But man, to go through like at the time, like Packers, Buccaneers, who both sucked. And figure yeah. out like you know uh, know some enough about that game or what those teams are doing at that time. By re- he didn't have the internet; it was like reading newspapers and stuff like that. You know that just felt so heavy, and I was like, I, I don't want uh, you know. So anyway, that took me along enough till I got to college, and I went to Ithaca College with a friend of mine, uh, Mike Mackey. He and I were roommates for two weeks because after two weeks, I said I don't want to be in college, mm-hmm. and I withdrew so that I could get all of my money back. Like As long as you withdrew by a certain point, you can get all your money back. So I left, and I went back to Ponderosa, and I was like, I'm just going to do this. Got promoted to being a supervisor, shift manager, that kind of thing, and then eventually a manager at, at, at 18 or 19. I got promoted to manager, starting salary, $21,000 a year. This was 1997-ish. So starting salary, $21,000 a year, wow. hours, infinite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they got me, man, 21,000. I was probably making like 17 cents an hour uh, yeah. by the amount of time I was putting in. So I did that for a little bit. Um, I was toying with college. I went to the local state school in and out. But I remember, man, I just never, I remember being in like a literature class and there was this kid there who had like a bolt in his nose and like, you know, something in his eye. Right? He just, I don't know. To me, it was just like, what? look at this fucking guy. He just looked like a mess to me. And I remember being in this like literature class and he gets all deep and serious on this topic. He's like, dude, it's like what LL Cool J says, man, word is bond. And I remember like, I'm out. I can't be here. This is the dumbest fucking shit I've ever seen in my entire life. I got to sit here and listen to us talk about Shakespeare and how LL would would interpret Shakespearean yep. sonnets or whatever. So I went to a few classes. I liked the business classes, but that was kind of it. And after like 18 months of in and out, I kind of just stopped going. Uh, and at this point, I was 21 and got an offer to go work for Ruby Tuesday. And I didn't take it initially. Ponderosa bumped me to 26 grand a year because of the threat of me leaving. And I wow. stayed there for a bit. I helped a buddy of mine move across country on that trip. I was like, you know what? I got to commit to college. That's my problem. I'm dabbling. So I go to a third college in Plattsburgh, New York, way up in the tundra, like 40 minutes south of Montreal. How old and are you at, now? Oh, 21, 21, oh, 20 okay. or 21. Um, I'm at that college for a month and I leave again. Wow. I just, 
I did not like college was done and I left yeah. there and I went to work at Ruby Tuesday. And I remember when I got the job at Ruby Tuesday, um, I'm thinking, okay, this is like a step up from the Ponderosa clientele. Like they have a bar. It's a little bit more like, you know, uh, uh, people coming home from work as opposed to what dragged their way into Ponderosa. This is my thought at the time. It's not a $6 steak, right? It's like $25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it was just like, it was still a restaurant. It sucked. So I just felt lost at this point, like lost and listless. The radio dream died. I didn't, just didn't have the, the, the desire to go any further with it at this point. And, um, I was just looking for the next thing. So that was kind of my college career was, I like to say I majored in registration. (laughs) (laughs) So I did three colleges and I got maybe, maybe three semesters of credit between those three colleges. So that's about it. Wow. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. Um, So what changes, what, you know, you're at Ruby Tuesdays feeling stuck and, what is there something that actually you can you can look back on or were you like i got to get my life in order or was something was it like a moment that you're like all right i've had enough of this shit what changed you know for the next step and uh, what was the next step you know i i remember breaking down i was i i was living at home at this point and i just again i felt lost and this is the thing man you think about as a 44 year old guy now right 21 like i just had this insane sense that i needed to have my life figured out by now at 21 you know, I don't know if you had the same thing, but there was just like, I'm supposed to be advancing and progressing toward career. And yeah. I remember really even getting pissy because at this point I'm making like, I don't know, 30 grand a year. I remember getting pissy at people that would be like, mm, no college. And I'm like, hey, man, look how good I'm doing. You know, like I just yeah. I had this like edge that I was successful and I needed to be and all of that. But I just didn't like what I was doing. A friend of mine was an adjuster at Progressive Insurance, uh, which was at the time much smaller. I'm not going to say small, but it was way smaller than it is right now. And he's like, Hey man, look, my, my boss is looking for someone to go to. And now I was in Albany, New York at the Ruby Tuesday in Crossgates mall. And this job was in Elmira, New York, which is about three hours West. So like kind of out by Buffalo, Rochester, that area. Mm-hmm. So I applied, I didn't have a degree that was a requirement of the job, but having me in the connection was enough to get me interviewed. And I crushed the interview. It was an amazing interview. I remember interviewed with like three different people and it was like done at the time I had a bag phone. Do you remember the bag phones <laughs> yeah, like in the car yeah, So yeah. on the drive home after the interview, I got a call on my bag phone with an, uh, essentially an offer like, Hey, wow. um, they were waving the college thing. We'll bring in uh starting salary was like 26 or 28,000. Maybe it was 29, something like that. Hmm. And, and it's in Elmira, New York. So it's three hours away. Can you start in two weeks? Wow. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. So I, I go to my job, I quit. I found this one bedroom apartment in like the hood of Elmira. It was like 420 bucks a month, all included. Wow. And I moved into this thing and, um, yeah, I didn't know anybody there, didn't know anything about it, and started my career there as a as a claims adjuster with Progressive Insurance. That was 2000, March of 2000. Wow, 2000. So what did they take notice of you? I mean, so you started out at the very very bottom, right? Where very bottom. Out? Yeah, I mean, I guess I wasn't an admin. That might have been like the very very okay. very bottom, but as far as like non-administrative, yeah, I was an entry-level claims adjuster trainee. So I had to learn how to write an estimate on a car. I had to learn how to, you know, handle an injury settlement. I had to learn how to, you know, do a liability investigation, all this stuff. And yeah, man, I I mean, look, I was single, 21 years old. I'm living in a town I don't even know, three hours from everything I know. Yeah. 
So all I did was work. Like I remember my shift was Tuesday through Saturday. I would work Saturdays. That was, I was the first guy to start working on a Saturday and the pride I took on a Saturday and like, man, I would do probably 20 hours of work in 12. Like I would still work my ass off, but I would, cr- I would go meet with people, look at their car, handle a claim. Like nothing got by me on a Saturday. I was the only yeah. guy and I would take a, like an office's workload on Saturday. And I, I took so much pride in that. And then Monday I'd stroll in because that was my social circle. It was my work. So I'd go, Hey, everybody, they're all busy. Cause Monday, all the new claims came in. I'm like, well, I'm going to jump in, take some claims. So, so yeah, they took notice pretty quick. I was hardworking. I was talented. I was really good at it. I could negotiate with people. I was great with, with some of the, we had a lot of urgency metrics, like how fast can you inspect a car? How fast can you meet with somebody? How fast can you close a claim? Like all of that stuff was, was what we were measured by. And I was really good at it. So within about two years, I got bumped to supervisor and, um, Within a year after that, I became the manager of that office. So I was 23 or 24 wow. and I was the manager. I had a supervisor reporting to me. I was like, you know, big shit now oh, shit. Yeah, running the Elmira, New York region. And, um, and then that expanded a little bit. I did some other stuff. And after a while, uh, I ended up moving to Boston, but we can get to that in a second. But yeah, so that was the, that was that time. And this is around the time where you talked about getting engaged, where I met my, my yeah. ex got engaged and all of that stuff. So, yeah. So, so at this time you're feeling fulfilled, I would imagine, right? Like I I found my purpose. This is what I'm going to do. Right. I I don't know if I knew that I found my purpose, but I definitely knew I was good at this and I can make a lot of money because I can drive, I could drive my career here, but I don't, I don't ever remember feeling like, wow, this is what I was meant to do. In fact, it was always a joke. Like, yeah, I never grew up wanting to be an insurance adjuster. Who knew? Like that was the, that was the, the, the thing, but it wasn't like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I was good at it, really good. And I could do it, man. You know, they gave us at that time, a lot of leeway. You had a lot of authority. You, it was like, look, here's the end goal. Just fucking make it happen between here and there. Just, you know, don't, don't do anything illegal or immoral and get it done. And I really, I, I thrive in that environment, creative, you know, kind of a get it done mentality, you know, figure it out as you go. So yeah, I did really well in that. Nice. And then, so you said that's where you met your first fiance, right? Is my, my, well, at that job or I guess you could say my first fiance, it feels weird, but yeah, my wife is my only other fiance, but yeah. 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 Let's clear that up. But (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to say it. So I know. Yeah. At the time, and it was, it was check boxes. I was, I was some 23, 24. I've got, I'm on a career path. I'm making decent money. I've got a house or an apartment, a nice apartment. I've got a nice car. I'm supposed to get the girl, right? Mm-hmm. And that was always the thing. Like if I look yeah. at my parents' uh, direction or just the model that they had, and even my sisters and everybody, like their my 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 uncles, my aunts, like all of my family, it was like, you know, get a job, get a house and a car, find the girl, get married, have kids, and live your life, and do all of that by like 29. Like yeah. that was that was it. Like so, I was just like, okay. Oh, well, I got the car. I got the place. I got the job. I got the career. Check, check, check. Big gaping hole. Next up, get the girl. So at the time I went to match.com, which was a new, a new website for something called online dating, which at the time was taboo. It was kind of like, well, that's weird. You're meeting online now. Not so much. Not at all. Actually. Now it's kind of common, but I met this girl. She lived about two hours South of me in Pennsylvania. I lived right on the Pennsylvania border. That's where Elmira, New York is. Met her. Um, uh, we went on a couple of different dates together. And uh, honestly, like if I look at the clues, like retroactively, then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of why I should have just been like, yeah, hey, I'm good. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have spent the next seven years with her. But um, 
Yeah. But at the time it was, there's this checkbox and I was yeah. going down the list and I checked that box off. She was, you know, she was attractive. She was nice enough. She wasn't, she wasn't like, you know, I, I don't want to say she wasn't a psycho because a little bit, a little bit of a psycho, but she wasn't like, you know, she wasn't a terrible human being. She wasn't literally psychopathic or or anything like that. You know, we had great moments, but man, there were some down moments as well. But yeah, I met her um, within a couple of years. We got engaged and um, yeah, and then that all fell apart. <laughs> so what, let me get back into this though. For our younger listeners, what's some, uh, what, what were some indicators here that you, you just skipped over you want to anything you can uh share or no okay, and also do you yeah. think she's out there doing a podcast telling people how crazy you are too or no i don't know i hope she is because i am yeah. i'm definitely nuts she is i'm sorry younger listeners like you said somebody listening yeah, yeah. that's younger if they're listening to this podcast it's probably because we share a trait all of us and that is that we're extremely driven and extremely mm -hmm. independent right we don't need anybody to get us to where we get to. I mean, we of course have our network and our relationships and all of that, but you know, we're not codependent. So the indicator to me that I didn't see early on was her level of codependence. Like she was in a situation where it was like, I got mommy and daddy holding mm -hmm. me together mm -hmm. and I need to jump into situation B where man or partner is holding me together, right? Like I can't yeah. be complete by myself. Me, I thought honestly that that's probably like desirable in some way, like, oh, I'm alpha yeah. support guy. Like I take care of. Yep. But I learned it as I, you know, later on, it was like, man, I, I'm independent. I'm an independent minded person. I, I can't feel like there's an anchor with yeah. me. And, yeah. you know, when I met my wife later, it was very clear, like she doesn't need to be with me. This is a truly, truly desirable yeah. on both of our ends uh, union. Yeah. But that was the first clue was like, I, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge the signs of codependence. Here, here's one. I remember, I remember going to, uh, actually it was a Ruby Tuesday in Elmira though, not the one I worked at for lunch. And one of the women that worked, there was a manager who I happened to know because I was a manager at Ruby Tuesday for a little while. So we're on a date or whatever. It wasn't even like a date date, but we went out for lunch. She and I, my, my new girlfriend it was like our third or fourth time doing anything. And this manager came and sat down for like a minute, like, Hey, what's going on? We chit chat or whatever. Just this quick. And then she left and my date, my, my girlfriend at the time was just like, she was just like closed off just oh, yeah. like looking at the table and like, I like did this woman beat you up at some point. Like what, what just happened? Like I, I do, maybe there's something, I don't know. And we leave it. She breaks down crying and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. She's like, ah, oh, you know, it makes me really nervous when somebody I don't know is sitting at the table. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. Like it was like, why I just, for me, for some reason, it was like, Dude. Oh, let me, let me comfort her as opposed to being like, yeah. great. Let me get in the car, drive you to yeah. where you're from. And I'm out. Um, yeah, yeah she I had a, like anxiety, I guess about, about, you know, social anxiety essentially, um, which just does not fit me. It just yeah. doesn't. I see. I thought it was going to go another way where I thought she was going to say, Oh, and it like accuse you of that. That was someone you, you dated before or something, but no, 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 it was nothing like that. It was just simply for her, this yeah. extreme social anxiety that I, I, you know, saw repeated over and over and over again. And that's just, that just doesn't work for it, for me, you know, and, and honestly for her, it doesn't work to have somebody that's very social and outgoing yeah. and all of that. So, okay. So now we get to the, the better part, right? You met Sylvia, your wife. Mm-hmm fantastic woman which is awesome so yep. now you're seeing what a what a normal relationship should look like right yeah I, I remember seeing my wife and thinking at the time i'll be honest with you I, I thought before i met my wife and after i had left my ex like 
if this is what marriage is, mm -hmm. if that's what relationships yeah. are like, like, yeah, I'm cool, man. I could be single. I'm yeah. good. I remember being so comfortable with that thought. Like, I don't need anything. And it was like yeah. then that my wife came in. And I really believe in that idea. Like when you yep. when you get comfortable with the absence of is when the greatest things come into your life. Not like you trick yourself into thinking you can do without it, but when you truly find that, like, I don't need, I don't need the relationship. I don't need to be married. I don't need these these societal norms at all. Like I feel yeah. completely comfortable with me or with this situation. That's when all of a sudden these things start to happen. It's happened so many times. But yeah, I met my wife and I remember thinking like, man, if I could even get a woman like her, just anyone like her, that would be amazing. And then, you know, I went for the original. That's cool. That the same thing happened to me before I met my wife too. It was, it, it was just a bad relationship. And I finally had to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not compromise on these things. I don't need to. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it took a while for me to realize that, like, I don't need to compromise. I don't need to deal with that. Right. And right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, next thing you know, that I ended up meeting my wife. So, you know, what's crazy. There's so many people I hear about now. And I remember it at the time feeling very lonely, calling off a wedding and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like, yeah, when I did it, a lot of people were like, wow, man, good for you. That's incredible. Like, that's the best decision you made. So I felt, I don't know, validated in some way. But I've heard that story. There's like four or five guys in GoBundance that are like, dude, same thing. Like three, wow. four weeks before a wedding, I called it off. So like, there's so many people right now, maybe that are listening, that are going through that. They're in this relationship, you know, like me, I just, I, I just, I always felt like, oh, it'll get better. It'll be fine. This will yeah. happen. That'll happen. And it just never did. And I let it go and let it go and let it go. And finally, when I called it off, it was like probably way too long, but it, it just felt like the heaviest thing in the world. But I, you know, so many people, I didn't realize, go through what I went through. I'm not unique. It's not yeah. a unique story. It happens all the time. And just hearing that for me, if I'm somebody in that situation, it means yeah. a ton as far as, yeah. and really what it boils down to, it's like anything like, this is where words are powerful. When you say the words, there's a new reality on the other side of them. It's saying those three words. I'm not doing this wedding, however many words that is. I, I, I We're not getting married. I'm not going to do the wedding, right? Like it's saying them that creates the anxiety. Once they're said, you can't take them back. And there's yeah. a new reality that you have to deal with in that room at that point. And that was so clear to me. And I try to remember that whenever I'm up against something hard, if I had to terminate somebody, if I have to move on from a relationship, if I have to, you know, whatever, kick a tenant out, it's always like the words, ah, and then you deal with it. Then there's a new yeah. reality on the side. Everybody adjusts to the new reality after that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're in Boston now. Yeah. Now what's your position now in Boston? Why'd you, why'd you have to move there? And I took a promotion. Boston was, um, uh, like the new frontier for progressive. We weren't writing insurance there because they had stiff regulation. They deregulated progressive came in and provided all this opportunity. And New York was kind of dying at that point. This was 08. So it was like the economy was shifting. Oh, so a lot of guys got laid off or fired in New York because they were mm -hmm. downsizing, but Massachusetts was like, like the new world, like there was no, that it, it were exempt from any reductions wow. in force or anything. So I took a promotion there, I guess a manager two, they called it. And um, I was overseeing a, uh, an office on the North side of Boston uh, of adjusters pretty much. Okay, nice. And you love Boston, right? You always favorite city. said, yeah, favorite, favorite city. city. Yeah. I love that. City. Yeah. It's amazing. Like we, we lived um, a little bit of, a little bit in the North shore and then we lived in the city in the seaport district. And uh, whenever I get a chance to go back there and, and hang out, I do it's, I, I know every neighborhood there I know how to walk from one end to the other, you know, and know, yeah. uh, know all the little nooks and crannies. My wife and I 
God, we, we ate at every restaurant, went to every bar. I mean, we, we know That's that city cool. like the back of our hands. So I love it there. Nice. And then you had to leave that and come to <laughs> Michigan, right? I didn't have to. It's funny. Like I, you know, my wife and I settled in, we bought a house, we had a kid. Um, but I wanted, you know, I talk about this all the time on my, on my, my, uh, social media stuff, but I wanted something more. And, and I, at this time, you know, I was taking jobs, any job that, that got me to the next level, which was at what we call an executive level. So it was equity. It was bonus. You know, it was a three, $400,000 a year annual package. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's the spot. When I get there, I set myself up. You know, I was 30, 30 when I moved to Boston. So around 33, 34, I got on this, like, I'm going to get that job. I got to go. I got to grow. I want to, you know, whatever. And I started looking for anything I could. I applied a bunch of different places within Progressive, within the company uh, for promotions and didn't get them. Um, I took jobs nobody else wanted just because I was like, well, and laterally, like in the same pay band or whatever, uh, because, hey, if they're not going to do it, I will. I'll crush it. And I did. I did really, really well in everything that I did. And eventually it worked out that I got the job. But yeah, for me, what I, what I, what I didn't realize was I was on results mode. I wanted a specific result or outcome mm -hmm. and I could get it with this job as opposed to, you know, purpose mode of like, well, I want to live my life this way. So I didn't want to be an executive. I wanted what the executive did for me, that role. You know what I mean? And that yeah. was when, when yeah. that intersected, when it was like, you know, me, not acknowledging this voice saying this to me and instead be like, no, it's, I'm just not happy right now because I don't have the executive job. Once I get there, that's going to yeah. do it. Yeah. I would just ignore on block out all of the clear flashing signs as I look back. And instead, when I got the executive job, now it was like, I always say it was the point at which my, my ego and my authentic self kind of, kind of finally were on equal footing and went at, went at each other. You know, it had always been ego winning, ego, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Like my ego is going to win. I'm going to get that job. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to do this. I'll yep. take that role. I'll fucking do it, whatever. Right. And my authentic self is down there going like, this isn't what you want. This isn't what you want. But my ego is like, shut up, you know, and just driving yeah. me forward. And once I got the job and my ego is like, yeah, we got it. And then something just was like, yeah, this doesn't feel very good. Yeah. That's where my authentic self stood up and be like, okay, look, we're going to do things my way. And, and your ego, my ego didn't go down quietly. Like, oh, you're right. That's fine. I'll go ahead. You do your turn now. Now, man, that whole year, this was 2017. So I was 38, 2017. Uh, that whole year was miserable. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I didn't do, I, I was just a shell of myself. I was, I was completely unpresent uh, and we're in a new place. You know, my wife's on our second kid. Uh, she's pregnant with our second kid at this point, at some point in that year. So it was just, it was a complete shit show because I, I, the inner battle between who am I and the ego saying, you don't see what we've done. Like, you know, between those two mm -hmm. forces inside of me going at each other, man, I, 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 I think I've had those moments in the past, but it was nowhere near the cataclysmic event that I had over the course of 2017. That was, that was life altering, life changing, bottoming out rock bottom, you know, and, you know, and I'll take that rock bottom, I guess, like we didn't, you know, we didn't go bankrupt or, yeah. or anything like yeah. that, but, but my soul died. It felt like in 2017, yep. it was terrible. Is that when you started looking for something else? Is that what brought you to real estate investing? Is that when, you know, multifamily and more, that's when you created that? Is that when that all came out? Or? A little after that. It's funny, before I left um, Massachusetts, I had a single family home in upstate New York, the one I was talking about that I had all my stuff moved out of, but I never could sell. Oh, yeah. wait, yeah. 
Couldn't get rid of it. And the company benefit of buying it had been expired. So I was just renting it out. And at the time it was doing okay. And then it started to kind of dwindle, meaning like that market just got worse. Like it had some, some stuff happening and then it, then it died, but I had that house and it was such an albatross. And at a certain point, probably in when I was like 35, so two or three years before I moved and took the executive position, something, maybe it was that authentic voice, just the whisper saying, Hey, this real estate thing, Check it out a little bit more. So I started listening to bigger pockets like everybody does. Um, I started going to real estate meetings in Massachusetts. Everything seemed way too expensive. I remember there was one town, Fitchburg, that I was looking at, uh, mm-hmm. but it felt like, wow, it's, it's it's like, you know, kind of a shitty town. I don't know if it's the right place to invest. So anyway, so in 2016, we started looking at um, properties in Oneonta, New York, which is where my parents live or near where my parents live. And we found four duplexes for sale on the MLS from the same seller. And they were a mess. They were disgusting. Mm. Put all four under contract for like 350 grand, something like that. Went and looked at them. Two of them were like ready to fall in. I said, no, we're killing the contract. But they said, well, do you like the other two? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we bought the other two for 170 grand. Mm. And I had learned about burring from our friend, Brandon. And so I was like, all right, we're going to burr these. And, and so I, I got them under contract in late 2016, the Michigan opportunity popped up. I interviewed for it in early 20 in, in first of 2017, I get offered to move to Michigan. Two weeks later, we close on the two properties in New York, now moving to Michigan. And two weeks later I was in Michigan. So I had the, I had something telling me that this real estate thing is where I wanted to go. And I started down that path before the Michigan move. But now it was like, okay, but I got to accelerate it because I yeah. can't stay this way. Over 2017, yeah. I, I, two duplexes in a single family aren't going to get me out of a $400,000 a year job. No. So I found multifamily. I met Benoit through multifam- uh, through Jake and Gino's mastermind, which I had joined. I was an early, early uh, uh, person in that mastermind. Um, and we started looking at multifamily property. And one of the tactics was, well, let's do a meetup locally so mm-hmm. that we can, um, we can uh, become faces in the market around multifamily because there were no multifamily meetups and it became very successful. We, we did a great job with it. We, a couple of deals came our way through that. You and I met through that. Yep. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the beginnings of that, that whole idea of not just real estate, but like, oh, wait, there's this whole networking brand component in real estate that I kind of like, like, yeah. if anything, like, I don't want to go analyze or underwrite this deal. Yeah, 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 I'll get to that. But I got to film this video first. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was sort of the birth of what I think I am today, which is more of like a lifestyle entrepreneur. Nice. Yeah. That was, that was huge. What you did with multifamily more, I know you just breezed over it, but like, that was recognized by a lot of people, like even big apartment owners and things like yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I know behind the scenes, there were some people that really took. Well, yeah, we had we had an offer to buy it at one point from, uh, uh, say, like a Jake and Gino-esque um, yeah. uh, multifamily operator, somebody that everybody knows in the multifamily operating space. Yeah. Loved what we did. At this point, we had chapters. We had, you know, a bunch of Facebook groups and chapter leaders, and the brand was big. I was being invited to speak at events about branding in social. I'm sorry, branding in real estate and social media and real estate. Uh, how to manage a real uh, a Facebook group, you know, to build a community, like all of that stuff. I was I was becoming sort of the the meetup guy, and that actually landed in me the bigger pockets episode. Uh, Brandon yeah. was like, "Yeah, let's do that on that episode. Let's talk about." You know, yeah, you're you're not a huge apartment investor at this point, but you're you got enough, and you know this this networking thing that you built and how to do it and how to build a meetup and 
you know, from that, actually, there's a guy in GoBundance that started a meetup. He was not in GoBundance at the time. He's since has joined, but started a meetup based on my episode on Bigger Pockets, and his meetup is killer now. In fact, yeah. I ended up being paid to speak at that meetup on the one-year anniversary of it because my Bigger Pockets episode was the initial like push for this guy to start what's now, I mean, an amazing meetup. But yeah, we did a lot of cool stuff with Multifamily More. We did, we, we, we did virtual meetups before COVID. We were doing a monthly, we call it the virtual mastermind. We'd bring in a guest, we'd jump on like a webinar, we'd have people come in. We were doing, we were way ahead of the curve from a networking yeah. perspective. Uh, and we had a big community, 20, 30,000 members, something like that. It was big. It was fun. Yeah. You were, you were brand building back before really anybody was talking about it. I mean, yeah. looking back now, you know what I mean? Now you can look back and go, oh shit. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're doing. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that, that was a cool group. I mean, we all enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's funny when I when I walked away from it. Yeah. You know, at this point, we had a bunch of chapters. We even charged a couple of chapters to start, but we were we were a bit disorganized. Like I was, I was definitely less of a. I just want to be all about real estate. Like you think of Jake and Gino, Rod, mm -hmm. Cleef, you know, Michael Blanc. Like they just talk real estate, real estate, real estate. Yep. Like I, I just it didn't move me enough to be yeah. my full-time brand. Like yeah. you, you love it. Like you get into yeah. small apartments, like you love that. Yeah. That's not me. So I was, I was really digging the mindset stuff and I was introducing it multifamily and more. Right. Yep. So I could introduce it with the more part, but it was becoming like multifamily wasn't even a thing. Like real estate was like an afterthought. So at a point where it was like, okay, I built emergent ascend at this point. Mm -hmm. I left my job. I've got the pot. I've got all these things going on. And then there's this thing over here, this big multifamily and more thing. And Benoit and I were just sort of no longer moved by it. Could we mm -hmm. have tried to sell it, sell our list? Yeah, but it's like anything. There's something was telling me like, hey, man, you learned a ton. You learned what to and not to do. I didn't do much in the beginning at all by way of like, okay, I've got all these followers. Well, I should bring them off of Facebook and yeah. you know uh, uh, nurture them through email campaigns and we can market to them. Like we didn't do any of that shit. So we're trying to make it up on the back end, but the whole thing had been built as this just like extremely altruistic free giveaway thing. Like no one expects anything of me. I can just get really good information because we provided that mm -hmm, yeah. for nothing. For and free, now yeah. I'm trying to go back in and like, well, no, no, no. Now we're going to start charging. Now we're going to, and it just was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was, it was like trying to take a, a rusted out, you know, 68 something car yeah. and trying to rebuild it with, no desire when when you don't even love 68 Corvettes, right? Like it's yeah. like a rust out 68 Corvette that you could soup up, but I don't really like Corvettes anymore. So I don't want to, yeah. not anymore, but like Corvettes aren't my passion. So yeah, it'd be cool to do. I like Corvettes, but I don't really want to put the energy into it. So that's where I kind of walked away from multifamily and more. Got it. And then GoBundance, when did GoBundance come into this? Because that GoBundance is really the point, right? Where your life, yeah. That's my just, hockey stick. Yeah, that's that's everything changed. GoBundance came in, you know, listening to Bigger Pockets. Bigger Pockets. So oh, Brandon Bigger Turner Pockets. and all of that. All, okay. look, all I heard was there was this bearded dude who was buying real estate, um, who loved to talk and, and have conversations about mindset. And he was moving to an island and then hosting masterminds on his island, right? Like mm -hmm. that sounded really cool to me. Just flashing forward to today, take the beard out, talk yeah. a lot on a podcast, love yeah. having interactions, mindset, move to an island and hosting a mastermind on an island, right? Like, it's funny yeah. how, like, I didn't, I didn't go like, wow. I have to do what Brandon does, but like proximity, it yeah. was clear to me, was such a driver, such a huge driver mm -hmm. of 
a lot of successful people. So I heard about GoBundance. It was seven grand to join at the time. And I remember getting on a call with, it might've been Kurt Booker, now that I think about it. Um, it might've been Kurt, Kurt. I don't remember. Getting on a call with him. I'd never heard of a mastermind group before. I always say this, like, I thought it was like, like, are you the Illuminati? Like, what, what do we, we, do we, yeah. do we, do we, do we smack, do we throw cash at our corrupt politicians in a circle yeah. while we chain them to a tree and call that Tuesday nights? Like, what is a mastermind group? It sounded weird. And I got to pay to hang out with people. Like it yeah. all just sounded like strange to me. And I now know that that's sort of W2 mind, you know, that's sort of like employee mind is like, why would I do, I get paid to go play. I don't pay to go play. It's like, nah, you got to invest in your network. Yeah. So anyway, so I hear of go abundance. I, I forget the issues. Like, so I've been in, it'll be four years. So 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fine. Go abundance. I remember thinking, well, all right, seven grand. So if I do shit with this mastermind group, if I do nothing with it, seven grand is just gone. Will that change my life? Meaning like in a year, am mm-hmm. I going to be like, fuck, if only I had that seven grand yeah. from last yeah. year back. And yeah. I was like, no, I mean, it'll suck to lose seven grand, but I'm still going to go to every dinner that my wife and I want to go to. We're still going to take every vacation. You know what I mean? It's not going to yeah. be yeah. like the difference between me buying a piece of property or not seven grand, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But, but the other side of that is like, but if I use any of this, if I hear like Brandon and David green and Hal Elrod and all these names I heard about David Osborne, like if I leverage this at all, like, that seven grand should be a, a hell of a return. So I, I was like, fuck it, let's go. I paid the seven grand. Um, that was March, uh, February, January of 2018. Yeah, January 2018, I think. And I had this goal at the time, like, you know what? I want to be out of my job in 10 years. I'm going to acquire enough real estate to leave my job in 10 years. That was the objective. Yeah. Got on my first pod call and went through my one sheet. And I was like a million one dollars. Like I literally counted the change in my couch to be a millionaire and qualify. I'm like, hold on, Kurt. One second. Yeah. 48 more cents. I'm there. I'm a millionaire now. <laughs> I literally like yeah. crossed the, cross the finish line. And, and for some reason was like, I got to join this room. And then, and then completely felt like, like the smallest human being on earth, no jokes, Grant, the smallest human being on earth uh, in my first pod meeting and nothing that anyone did but listening to these, like, as I call them, like real entrepreneurs, like really accomplished guys and like yeah. their numbers and what they're doing and how they're doing it. It was like, the fuck am I doing here? Like, I, there's no way I belong here. Like this isn't, this, this is probably wrong for me, but I'm here. I paid the money. Fuck yeah. So I showed up on pod meetings every week, every other week, actually, I would show up on the pod meetings and um, I would be there and it was great. I got to know the guys a little bit, but man, I didn't do anything else really for the first six months. And I told my wife at that point, like, I'm not going to renew at the end of the year. She's like, why? Like, it's just not for me. These guys are playing at a different level. Like maybe it's something I got to like, you know, once I get my shit together, then I join. And she's like, all right, but you're here. Have you done everything you think you could to be a part of this? I'm like, God damn. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I haven't. So the next thing that happened, we went to Orlando as a pod and we got together for the first time in person. And it was three days away. And I remember having a conversation about relationships with one of these guys who I saw as uber accomplished. And he is. Yeah. yeah. But in that moment, it was like, oh, shit. It didn't matter what our net worths or our income was. Like we were bonding as men and husbands, I guess, mm-hmm. over this relationship issue. And 
the work my wife and I do on relationships, we, we are proactive with therapy. We have always been, we've always worked on our, on, we love each other so much that it's like derelict if we don't do yeah. the work to maintain fire and passion in our relationship. So we talked about that and I gave my thoughts on that. And in that moment, I was the millionaire, the multimillionaire, right? Like yeah. on relationships for him, yeah. I was the consultation he needed. And it was like point one, I got it. All the pillars are even. It's not like, well, your net worth is your number one thing. You got to have the net worth and horizontal income. As long as those, like that's the hierarchy in GoBundance. And then you have these other relationships and these other cutesy things. No, they're even. The GoBundance man and woman joins because they're saying, yeah, my financial security and wealth is important, but it's not more important than my relationships. And my relationships are not more important than my health. And my health is not more important than my ability to contribute. And I need accountability for all of these things, right? You know, so that was the first, like these pillars are even, that was one, two was the second revelation was I'm doing this the wrong way. I paid seven grand and my mindset was, what am I going to get? If I get nothing, I'll go to zero and that's okay. I'll have, it's whatever. I lost seven grand. I'll survive. Thank God. What gratefulness I have for that. But if I invest my time and energy, I could get something from this wrong way of thinking about it. The second revelation I had was if I just contribute whatever I can, if I just am a giving individual and known as that in this community, that's success here. So it completely flipped six, nine months in for me being like too small. I'm not going to renew to the pillars are even. And however I can contribute, I'm going to contribute. So I talked to the elders about, Hey, what can I do to help out? Uh, They talked about emerge ascend at some point. Like we want to build this. We want to call it emerge and ascend. We want to build this program, but we need a partner. Would you want to be that guy? Absolutely. That's how I can contribute. Uh, I like to connect people. So, you know, I, I do it with you sometimes like, oh, dude, you got to yeah, be. Yeah. So I met him at an event. Let me put you two together. Never realized how, how valuable a skill that is or how, how that's not natural for everybody. So that's my value proposition is just the ability to connect people. And I would just do this stuff, man, over and over and over and easy renewal year two. I think I went to 10 that year, but easy 10 <laughs> K easy yeah, renewal yeah. Uh, year two. And, and I mean, it's just like, it's, I don't even see it get charged anymore, mm-hmm. you know, like on an annual basis, it's just yep, done. So, and your pod, I just want to speak to them, dude, because I've met them when I, when I went to my first event, I came into GoBundance like you squeaked in. Right. I mean, I, I had the net worth and all that, but my cash flow wasn't strong. Right, right, so. right. I was going to say you, your net worth is strong, brother. I had the net worth, but the cash flow and, and just the way we had structured things, we didn't have a lot of money. We built our business without a lot of money, but I got, I got to meet your pod. Yeah. And, um, rock we in park city and park city. we all, we were all in a, uh, Airbnb, Airbnb. together yep. and it's just incredible. Cause I, I really want that people listening to hear, like these were, these are like hard charging, very successful people, but there's a different, there's another side to that. And this is what I love in go abundance. I'm getting ready to pivot in my life. I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of, I didn't know what to do, but I'm going to go in this direction. They all sat there with me, all of them. For hours, I talked to your pod, a uh, couple of guys here, individually, a guy here, and they were all just, you know, concerned, helping me. How can I help? Here's my thoughts on the process. So it was like, it, it's just amazing. That's one of the things I love about GoBundance because being a new member in in other organizations, right? People might not be that interested in you, but in yeah. GoBundance, people are like, how can I help? It doesn't matter where they're at. Everyone's interested in, you know, how you can help and, you know, being genuine, like you said, is just, it's just incredible in this organization. Dude, I've been with the same pod. We've been together for yeah. since the beginning, four years. Right. And all of yeah. them, 
I'm the I'm the la- I'm the lagger on this. Uh, all of them, I think, or no, all but one. And it, and he could, he just hasn't done it yet. Have upgraded to champion, so they're in uh-huh. again. Like we'll all be renewing yeah. in a couple of months, right? Like yeah. so, it's it's there's no there's no um, there's no doubt that if you're part of GoBundance right now, I'll speak to this. If you're part of GoBundance. Yeah. Or you're thinking about GoBundance and you know, look, oh, recession. Maybe I'll join in January. Like all that mm-hmm. shit, right? Like that, that, mm-hmm. that self-limiting bullshit that people put themselves through. Like you know, I'll do it later. Like there is a later. It just fucking yeah. drives me nuts. But anyway, if you're in GoBundance and you're like, man, I, you know, okay, I'm six, eight months in. How do I, how do I maximize my value here or whatever? You're doing it all wrong. I yeah. guarantee you're trying to figure out the gain for you as opposed to looking at your tuition as the right to serve. That's yeah. it. You go in and serve these other people in your pod or whatever. Look, I'll give a pod tip. I go into pods sometimes. People ask me, hey, can you jump in our pod? It feels a little stale. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll go in. And I ask the same question all the time. Let's, uh, let's you know. Okay. Um, let's start with this. Joe. What is Steve's number one objective this year? And they go, uh, yeah, I'll have to look that up. I remember him talking about it. Like, yeah, okay. Steve, what is Grant's number one objective or goal this year? Like, yeah, I'm not sure. And you could see it in the room, in that Zoom room, in that moment. They're like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, okay. So the point simply is you're going into the pod like, okay, am I getting something from this? And it's like, I I don't, I'm not saying that you're never going to gain, but the way that you're going to get is when you are 100% invested in each and every other guy's vision, what they're looking for. It doesn't mean you have to be the guy, like you're going to do the work for them or anything like that. But if you don't know what your pod mates, like number one thing is, then when you're here in a podcast that has really good information that that mm-hmm. pod mate could benefit from, you're not going to know to send it to them. When yeah. you're talking to somebody at an event, who's like, down the road, like three steps ahead of where this person's trying to go. Like one of the guys in my pod is a low income housing guy, right? Like that's what he does. He develops low income housing. If I meet somebody that's in the low income housing space, he gets a connection every time, right? Like done because I know exactly what he's trying to build right now. His priority is he's got a couple of other businesses. He's put on autopilot. He's trying to build his low income housing business. I got another guy who has a purpose problem. He's trying to figure, he's got an amazing career, makes a ton of money, but he wants to go to the next level and he just doesn't know what it is. And it's hard identity wise, the kind of career he has to unwind and start anew. But anytime I come across content or people or ideas or whatever that can serve him, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give that to him because I know what he wants. That's unintentionally what my pod is great at, why we stayed together so long. We each know what the other person is trying to achieve. They knew I wanted to quit my job in 10 years. They didn't let me do it. They let me do it in two years. They made me do it in two years, right? They all know what we're trying to accomplish. And for a pod, either you're going to be a GoBundance member and get a pod, or you're in a pod right now and wondering, how do I maximize this experience? It's by fucking forgetting about yourself and instead worrying about, not worrying about, being very tuned into each and every pod member's key goal. Like what are they trying to accomplish? And then being invested in accomplishing that with them or helping them accomplish it. You do that, you'll be served. Let me give you the yeah. evidence. Can I rant? Can I yeah, rant, go Grant? Ahead, dude. Go ahead. This is a Grant rant. Yes. Here's the evidence. I quit my job and we can get to this, but I quit my job in, uh, what was it? March of 2021. So a year and a half, almost two years ago now, right? Quit my job in March, 2021. I announced it at the Tahoe event. I stood up 200 guys in the room and I don't know why, what the, the situation was, but Hey guys, just so you know, 
when I get back, I'm walking away from my job. And I heard a bunch of like, fucking finally, or whatever. Right? But people are yeah. applauding the whole night. Dude, that day and the days after, the amount of people coming to me saying, hey, man, I got like, I got you. Let's do something together. I got this project. I got this. I got that. It was, it was overwhelming. And it was like, wow, that's the return on yeah. the contribution. Like, man, you show up in this tribe. You give, you contribute, you connect, you want to, you know, you're, you're a good guy to be around. We like being around you. You're, you're, you're not here to get anything from anybody. Yeah. And the moment that I didn't even ask for it, the moment I said, Hey, I'm going to be freeing up 50 hours, 60 hours a week. Uh, I got some ideas of what I'm going to do with it. I had multiple people saying, dude, I absolutely, uh, we, we can, we can do something together. I want to do something with you. I want to do something with you. I want to do something with you. And I filtered it to Mark and working with quantum. That was the thing I yeah. took from all of that. But you know, like that's the return. The return comes when you're a part of a community and you're a contributing member and you're somebody that people know is a good, you know, giving individual that will come back, but you got to be patient. It's not a one year yeah. thing. It's not a yeah. six month thing. It's not a, you know, four pod visits and or four pod meetings and everything's figured out in your life. Be invested in your pod, in their desires, mm -hmm. know them cold, right? And just give and give and give. And I promise you, I've seen it over and over. I'll, Daniel Del Real, Aaron West, Wally mm -hmm. Elabieri, Aaron Amuchastegui, like all contributing people to this community who have benefited. Yep. Daniel Perez, Camille Morris. I mean, these guys are crushing life four, five, six, eight, ten 10 years in abundance because all they do is show up and give. That's it. Yeah. Ask any of them for anything right now. They do it. Yep. It's incredible. So. That's my speech that's, on GoBundance. That's awesome, dude. That that was a great rant, by the way. That was great. I got a question. Yeah. Um, what was the one thing that your pod busted your balls on? Didn't you have something on your one sheet? You kept yeah. it on there, kept it on there, and they they do tell that story. Yeah, actually, I think it led to me living in the Dominican Republic. Actually, I know it did. Before twenty twenty. On my one sheet, I put, guys, I'm going to spend a month this quarter in a destination with my family in a destination of our choosing, or maybe it's like a warm weather destination, something like that. Yeah. And then I didn't do it. Q1 2021 rolls around, drop it right back on the one sheet. All right, guys, this quarter, I'm going to spend a month with my family in a warm destination or a destination of our choosing, whatever it is. And one of the guys, he's like, hey, man, look, we love you. I'm like, I oh, appreciate that, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, dude. He's like, so do us a favor either stop talking about this shit because you don't mean it and just that's okay if you don't yeah. it's not important to you then just move on or next call give us a date give us a budget give us a location and i was like full well, shit wow i don't want to give up on this this is like mid-january mind you mm -hmm. i talked to my wife and she's like i'll go whenever i'm like fuck it so we looked up south florida mm -hmm. hollywood florida right between fort lauderdale and miami 15 grand for an Airbnb for the month, condo on the beach, three bed condo on the beach. Um, and it was a month. So February was the date. 15 K was the budget, I guess, although it was more because you, you know, you buy shit when you're there. And yeah. the location was, was uh, Hollywood, Florida. So two weeks later, I'm driving with my dogs to Hollywood, Florida on that drive. I've chronicled this a bunch. I can get into it if you want mm -hmm. is where it took me Three days. I actually stopped and met one of my pod mates in Charleston. Like I, 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 it was off route, like an hour off route. But I'm like, yeah. I got to go see him. Had dinner with him. It was cool. And headed down. And on that drive, I got clear on it's time to go. It's time to move on from my job. Bigger Pockets just came out. Emergent Ascend was just graduating its first class. I got amazing results from that. Wasn't making any money off of it at this point. None of it really was. None mm -hmm. of it really was yeah. full, like complete. But it was like. I got to do this now. Like, I just feel compelled to do this now. 
And on the tail end of that drive, I got a call about a friend of mine that I worked with in, in uh, New England, who was like 47, 48, healthy guy, two young kids, uh, you know, middle, teenage, 10 year old kids, uh, girls. And uh, he went into the hospital with chest pain one night and just never came out. And that was like the final straw. Like I was 99% of the way there. It's like, you've seen Top Gun, right? Like yeah. it's like when they're, they show that part of the, of Top Gun where that little red, like target yeah. thing is dancing around on the, on the MIG. Right. Yep. right. So like I was there, I was like, right. Oh, it's right there. 99%. Right. But nothing yep. happens at 99%. When do they fire? A hundred yeah. target lock. So that, that hearing of his passing. And I remember seeing myself in the rearview mirror, like, holy fuck. Like I became the guy for like a split second. It was crazy. And this isn't, you know, whatever. But I, I remember thinking like, I, I, it's time I, I got to go. That was my target lock. That was my fire moment. And, um, all it took then was just, I spent the month in February and, you know, I was coming back. I remember I started March 13th, 2000 with progressive, and I was going to quit March 12th, which was a Friday 2000. So I was going to give myself 21 years to the day and then walk away. So my, my career got to be drinking age and then I just killed it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. dude. But, but that drive, that drive got me out of my job from them pushing me. And then yeah. that month away taught us what it was like to be away for a month. Like, that's cool. Let's do the Dominican 10 months later in January. And we did the yep. DR for a month. Then it was like, why don't we just move here for a while? So that pod mate saying to me, yep. and imagine this, imagine you're 11 months in into GoBundance yeah. and you're like, yeah. you're just getting going. Right. Yeah. And something excited. like that is asked. And then yeah. you're like, I'm not going to renew. And you yeah. go away, right? Like, had I not renewed, I wouldn't have stuck around for any of this. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been seen through because my pod was with me the entire time, the entire time. You know, it wasn't like they asked that one question that we never talked again. We talk all the time yeah, and they're yeah. always pushing me. But that, that question, that challenge to me, that accountability, extreme yeah. accountability led me to the life I have right now. Yeah. Just this. That's huge. Yeah, that is, that is, I mean, I love that. I love that story. I use that story a lot. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. very cool. That's big. It's big. So, so yeah. you are, we, I, I just realized, yeah, we haven't even touched on you quitting your job yet. So <laughs> we can. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's, that's what we want to, uh, that's what we want to get to. So now you made that decision, right? And what happens next? My boss and I had done a lot of work over the, over the previous three or four years. Right. So my boss was yeah. an absolute ball buster, you know, middle-aged woman, um, yeah. who, uh, well, fifties, 50 something woman had always done things a certain way. And what's funny is when I took the job in Michigan, progressive was broken into three zones, East central West and Michigan was central. I was East my whole career, New York, Boston. I was part of like the, a team that traveled around the East. So I was really well known in the East, like the de facto, like, Dude, anyone that applies against Jamie is a fool. He's the next exec, right? He's the next wow. director, right? Like yep. that was my reputation in the zone. Yep. Then Michigan becomes part of the East zone at the same time that the job that I applied for posted, right? So like now this, this, uh, this leader who has always been in this other zone is moving into my zone. And I'm applying to be, to work for her. And I mean, if you met us both, you'd be like, wow, they're very different people. <laughs> yeah. 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 But her boss and I very aligned, very similar yeah. type of people, even down to height. We're like the same height, same kind of driven guys. We're from the same parts of New York, like very similar, great, great guy and all that. So I, either I was told 
or I'm sorry, either she was told to hire me mm-hmm. or she assumed the implication was I better hire the big guy's guy, which was me either or, but it always was. And, and even people that didn't know, like, I don't think you were her selection. Like, I think she wanted oh, yeah. to go a different route, but yeah. she felt or was forced to hire you. And it was like that from the jump. It yeah. was beaten up against each other. I remember three or four months in, I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? I went to a Starbucks uh, and I was sitting in the car and I get this call. What had happened just before that, she said, hey, I need you to develop this this outline. And she gave me like three or four steps. Like even that was like very micromanaging. Like I I can figure out how to do this, but okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So she gave me like three or four things that she wanted me to do. Like uh, uh, grab this, do this, do this, do that. Like, okay, cool. So I start doing that. And along the way, as I'm doing it, one of the things was like, oh, you know what? I know a guy in New York that's doing this. Let me let me call him real quick and just see if he has something like off the shelf I can integrate. So I call him. His name was Tom. And it's relevant just because of the, the call I get later. But so Tom and I talk and I get a great whatever. So then I update her. I send her an email and say, hey, just so you know, here's where I am. Da, 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 da. Oh, no, by the way, I called Tom. And this is what I learned from him. So now I'm at the Starbucks parking lot. I get a phone call, multiple hundred thousand dollar year equity position employee. And it goes, just like this. When I speak, is there something in you that just can't hear it? And I remember like giggling to myself, like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't think so. When did I tell you to call Tom? I'm like, well, you didn't. But what you did tell me was to create this process. Yeah. This guy's done it. So I figured, you know what? Let me, let me, let me learn from the guy that's already done sure. the thing. Sure. And then it just became this dressing down. I don't remember the words after that. Cause I was like, is this happening? I remember yeah. sitting in this stuff, like in Brighton, right. Sitting there like, yeah. is this happening? Like, is this a real, co-? like, am I being punked? I'm looking for the camera. Like it was the most, I've never been talked to like that. Not as a kid, not, uh, not when I was a $22,000 or $21,000 year guy, yeah. not as a buffet boy at Ponderosa. Like, it was just the most disrespectful, unbelievably crude and rude way to speak to a human, let alone yeah. somebody who's accomplished. I was 20, 18, 19 years into a, a career, multiple yeah. states, multiple functions, successful or better all the way across the board. And that's how you're going to come at me. Yeah. So that was the relationship. My yeah. leadership was questioned. My loyalty was questioned. I remember I didn't attend uh, a senior leader conference in Cleveland because my wife was pregnant. I was new to Michigan. We didn't have any support and she was sick. I said, I I can't go to this thing. And she, she got it, comes back from it and comes after me. Like you knew for months that this was going to be on. I'm like, yeah, but I told you my wife was sick. Like, yeah, yeah. But she's just like, like stamp collecting, man. Like just whatever she could find. And I'm writing it down, writing it down, writing it down. But anyway, you were crushing it for her though. Right. I I started to, it's not like you were a shitty employee. Well, when I took over the department that I took over, the reason why she felt compelled to hire me, I'm sure, or was told to, was the department I took over was was the worst in the country of its oh. kind. It was z- 50 out of 50. Like every state had their own, like worst, terrible. Oh. I had yeah. to, the person that was in charge of it was reporting to me. I had to remove her. I had to take her down like three levels uh, and demote her to another role. Wow. And I remember, I remember uh, my boss saying like, well, everyone knew that had to happen. Like, well, you fucking didn't do it. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So I had to remove her. I brought in a guy from New Jersey who was a killer, a killer yeah. still there to say he actually ended up taking my spot, which was the right, which was what I wanted, but an absolute killer. And he, he was the one like my talent was bringing in the right guy. 
yeah. he was the one that just like right-sized his group and then all of his peers were like oh we better get on board with like that guy and i just i gave him he was my right hand and i gave him all the autonomy he needed whatever but yes i reorganized my whole thing i demoted like multiple people fired people like it was a heavy lift but like everything was like well you didn't do that as quickly as i I think you could have like but again you were here i'm three, four months in at this point, six months, yeah. eight months, whatever, but always, always, always just on my ass about everything. And it got to a point where I almost took a demotion back to Massachusetts just to get the fuck out of there. I was so broken. I just felt like I, there's nothing I could do here. Yeah. She was writing me up. I was getting a warning as a senior leader in a, in a company. Like I was getting wow. like a, you know, it was yeah. just awful. I didn't end up doing that and stuck around, thankfully, because it allowed me to kind of solve the issue. So one of the things I did is I went to her and I said, okay, look, there are like six things that you and I have, have just like, it's just gone wrong. I I laid down last night and thought about your perspective, like truly your perspective, like what must she be thinking here? And I think, I think I got clarity on it. So let me just read these to you. And I went through each of them and I said, here's my perspective, but I can see where you might've been thinking this and feeling this. And for that, I'm sorry. And we went one by one. And she remembered that big grin. She's over there smiling. Like you finally get it. And I felt like, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I felt like, all right, or whatever. But that, that was the beginning of repairing. So when I quit at that point, I always say like, if I quit when I wanted to quit, I would have been running away. And I think that's very dangerous, but I had built something to run toward. I got the best results that I had ever gotten in that role in that last year. Like I was undeniable. Like you couldn't deny what I was producing and what my yeah. team was producing. So there was nothing. I, I took all the bullets out of her gun. She still had them, yeah, but yeah. I took them out of her gun. Right. So when I left, it was more like I'm leaving with gratitude for a career that I that I built. I'm leaving on on a better footing. I'm running towards something now. Like I settled whatever I needed to settle here, and I'm happy with it. Now it's time to move forward, as opposed to fuck this, I'm out of here. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So that was a that was a big thing for me. When I actually went to do it, it was a nerve wracking thing. It's 21 years you're throwing away, and it wasn't doubt. It wasn't doubt. It was right back to I remember the moment when I went to quit. I was typing her a note to say, Hey, um, uh, we need to talk. And then I went to hit enter and my finger wouldn't, it wouldn't go down. Like I couldn't hit the enter button, like this like barrier there. And I stopped ridiculous as COVID. I'm in my home office and I close my eyes and I'm thinking like, what is this? And dude, no shit. I flash back to fourth grade and people pleasing and all the decisions I had made on the fact that I'm people pleasing. And I, I I realized in this moment that my biggest fear was I'm going to like upset her in some way or or not do something pleasing to her. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, okay, I opened my eyes and I hit the button and then she didn't reply for like five minutes. And it was really fucking awkward. Cause I'm like, can you please reply this? (laughs) So I just called her, told her I was leaving and um, I gave her a month uh, if she needed it. And she said, yeah. And so I stayed for one more month. I got us through kind of one major milestone thing that was taking place in that month. And then I walked away. So you were at 50 out of 50, your division, when you took it over, what was it when you left, you know, uh, top, top five, it was, it was wow. really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had moved to a new division at this point, but, uh, meaning yeah. like I, but we rotated the senior leaders in the state rotated. So I went from like the handlers of, a, of claims to the yeah. appraisers. I was taking, I was overseeing the appraisers. The appraisers were now like, like top five as well. And the handlers, when I left them were, I mean, I, I want to say number one, I could be wrong, but 
we were, we were, I remember saying to my team, I don't want to hear any more about importing processes from other locations on how we can improve this year. I want to export shit. I want people to go like, fuck's Michigan doing? Like we got to get, we got to know what they're doing. And I remember that year we exported stuff. Credit to my guy that I brought him from New Jersey because it was his stuff. Yeah. But by creating the the space for him and everything, like yeah. we were exporters. All of a sudden, we're showing up at senior meetings and I'm getting cornered. Like, what are you doing? How did you get this? How did you get that? We need to know. We need to know. So complete turnaround. Complete turnaround. Is is she still there? And is she yeah. shitting out of the New Jersey guy? Or is that now since you've gone, now she's all really nice to the New Jersey guy? Or how's that? Uh, no, I, I think they're fine. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, my role in all of this is I just have, I'm not a soldier. I'm just, I'm too yeah. defiant for it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know the New Jersey. I mean, I, I think he... The New Jersey guy's a, a very smart, great operator, and I think he's also a really good soldier. Like I think he's he's more um, tuned into hierarchy and like, hey, well, that's my boss. She makes the decision. For Got some it. reason, I just don't like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's right, she's right. Like that's yeah, that's how it is. But I just don't operate that way. So like when I hear something, I want to be creative with it or think of how yeah. I can get excited about it. And every leader I had had, I didn't realize how fortunate I was. Like they understood that I feel, or I know looking back, like they gave me space and I try to do that now with my folks. Like, what is it that they, people on my team, like, what is it that they need and how do I create that for them? How do I expand my vision so they can fit within it? But, but for, for prior bosses, they, they were like, okay, we got to put the guardrails there. We can't let Jamie go off the reservation here, but give him space. He'll get shit done. He's high energy. He's driven. He wants the best things to happen. But for her, it was like, no, 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 no. I am right. And then there's the other way, which is wrong. Like there's no other way, but my way. And that was just, you know, the, the thing I needed probably in order for me to quit my job. So I do, I have gratitude for that relationship. That's, that's what I was just going to ask you. If she had treated you fantastic, made your life just the best it could have been, you know, you might still, well, I don't know, hopefully not, but you might've been there longer. Right? Yeah. It wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been that same sense of urgency to like, to, to go through what I needed to go through, the, her yeah. giving me a warning and me trying to figure out like, how yeah. do I communicate with this person? And, you know, like all of that development happened in a compressed time frame because she was maniacal, really. Yeah. But if yeah. she wasn't, yeah, it would have been easier to plot along for a while, for sure. That's what that's what I look back on, too, or, or you know, and I, I, yeah, I true. had similar kind of shit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm grateful for that. And I think that's what people need to realize that that's life to me pushing you out, right? Like it's happening for you, right? It's the old saying, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And I learned that lesson over that four years that I was with her. I, if I, again, if I left too soon, I wouldn't have known that I would have been full victim. Um, and I would have carried that. So I got over that and learned life's happening for me at every turn. Yep. So, so now you quit and I want to touch on your, how'd you get into commercial real estate then? So it started with Jake and Gino. Uh, ben and I bought a 16-unit property together in uh, just outside of Ann Arbor. Then I partnered up with a guy that ran our Cleveland uh, multifamily and more branch to buy a 22-unit. Um, so I started with that. Uh, the syndication stuff didn't start until I got with yeah. uh, with Quantum a year ago, year and a half ago, whatever it was. But let's um, talk about that though. Let's like yeah. talk about Mark, how you met him, what, what who is Mark, like. 
Yeah, Talk yeah about so quantum, you know what I mean? Mark's the founder of Quantum Capital. Cool thing about Mark is he's also, for the last 22 years, a writer for Family Guy. Uh, so met him at a GoBundance event in Tahoe. Uh, we talked before that, but met him officially in Tahoe, just bonded with him, you know, good guy. And yeah. same thing, like, this is where he even validated this because I he was at the time raising for a deal. I wasn't part of Quantum. Um, and he was talking about like, not only raising, but like, you know, different things he was trying to do with his multifamily company. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. And I just started bringing people into his world or whatever. And so when he asked me to join, he's like, look, I've never met like a connector like you. And I could, I would love to partner with that kind of an energy with that kind of a, mm -hmm. like a presence or whatever. So, like I said, my desire to add value to this guy by connecting, which is my way of adding value, yep. was enough for him to say two years into two and a half years into membership, right? Enough for him to say, Hey, you know what? Why don't we partner? You're out of your job now. Like you come on as a partner. And initially I said, no, like, no, I'm building my thing or whatever. And then over yeah. time we kept up with each other. And I said, we actually got another 22 unit under contract. You walked it with me. Yeah. And I was, yeah. I remember thinking like, Oh, we got to do all the operations and all that shit on this. So it almost was like, we got that property because we hadn't gotten one in a while and it was mm -hmm. like, we got to get one. So we got that one. So when Mark asked about coming into quantum again, it was like, you know what? That's where I want to be. Cause I can be on the investor relations marketing side. I don't have to worry about the operation side, which I don't love. And mm -hmm. we wholesaled that building. And I brought my partner Ben with me and we both went to quantum. Um, and we wholesaled that 22 unit over to another, another, uh, buyer. Thanks to you. And, um, and then, yeah, we moved on from it and we've been with Quantum or I've been with Quantum ever since. My partner since has backed away. Um, so it's just me on the marketing side now, which is great. I mean, you know, nothing wrong there, but um, but yeah, Quantum has been amazing. And we've closed on 10 deals together in the last year. Wow. We're under contract on one right now. We might be under contract on another one um, before the year ends. So we shall see. Wow. That's yeah. pretty incredible. It's a yeah, pretty incredible I connection there. It is. It is. And I, I look at the equity and the act fees and everything else that I've made off of that one connection pays for the next 20 years of GoBundance. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, now Emerge and Ascend, right? So yeah. you started that off. Talk about that. You know, yeah. they came to you. They the did. did, right? They did. They said, hey, propose something. And so I did. I met them in Steamboat at an event in August of 2020. Um, said, this is what I think it would be 12 week course with mm -hmm. like, uh, that's emerge. And then like a, a community you can graduate to in ascend, that would be kind of like mini go abundance. You're not at a million yet, but we'll kind of duplicate the same structure proposed it to them. They said, yeah, let's go. I, I filmed all of the content a month later at Mike McCarthy's house in September in Austin. Um, we put the course together, pre-sold it to 30 people for like 497 or something like that. 397. I forget what it was. So we sold it to 30 people. We ran them through it starting in November, got their feedback over the course of November into December, then did a hard launch in December, did a webinar with David Osborne for a January one launch. And we added like 80 or 90 members um, in that one launch. So we had a nice, I think we sold it for a thousand bucks or 800 bucks, 900 bucks, something like that. Yeah. So we added about, you know, uh, 80 or 90 members for January. Um, and we rolled with it for the last two years. So we've had 500 people go through Emerge, 200 are in Ascend. Uh, we've had, I think 45 at this point graduate and join GoBundance in that time. And we've had 
a few dozen end up quitting their job because a lot of what I talk about there is not like quit your job, quit your job, but like if that's your objective, well, here's what you got to do. And here's the accountability and the communication, the community that you need. So recently we've said, I looked at my team and I said, look, we've done great work on this. Economic times are changing. People still want to do things like leave their job, buy their first or next piece of real estate, you know, become entrepreneurs, whatever it might be. Yep. I, I want to make sure that we are doubling down on how we can add value to these folks. So we took the two communities, merged them into one. We took the 12 weeks, condensed it down to eight. We're calling it a millionaire accelerator. We're doing more of a white glove concierge onboarding and treatment throughout. Like we're going to review your vision. We're going to go through your goals with you and give you feedback. Whereas before it was like, yeah, do it, fill it out, check it off that you did it. That was sort of what we would track. Now we're going to, we're going to be there with you for each step of it. And we're calling it Emerge Supercharged, which starts January 1. We've done our first webinar and I've already have our first class uh, for January 1 uh, uh, staffed up. So we've got uh, or, or stocked up. So we've got a bunch of members that joined recently and we'll we'll continue to market through December and and uh, get Emerge Supercharged filled up and change a bunch of lives. My objective is that I want to I want to yeah. I want to I want to get 50 people out of their jobs, job free in 2023 to emerge supercharged. That's my my one objective. Uh, I want to continue to create millionaires and I want to build this thing to be, you know, the business it deserves to be because of the impact that it makes. Yeah, that that's just a awesome program too. Both of those, Emerge and Ascend. I've I've got a chance to you know, talk to the groups and and yeah. be a part of it here and there just a little bit. And man, there's some rock stars in there. There's just just everyone from all different walks of life. And it's it's just really incredible. Yeah, we do just some incredible stuff in there. Training yeah. around wealth, training around uh, health, relationships. Yeah. Jason Drees comes in and does mindset every month. We've got, um, uh, we do one sheet reviews with GoBundance members. So lots of connections for Emerge, yeah. what are now Emerge Supercharged members to GoBundance members because we have multiple coming in every week to to add value and teach and coach um, and all of that. So yeah, it's for the money. You know, now we're doing fifteen hundred bucks for the eight weeks it's to cheap. join to join emerge. I mean, you, you know, you get eight weeks, and after that, you have to upgrade to stay. But I'm going to dare you to leave. You're going to see yeah. it all. You're going to be there. We're going to be there with you after eight weeks. Tell me your life isn't different. Tell me you're not different. And that oh, I yep. can't I can't afford to spend any more time or money here. That's unfortunate because you're getting access to incredible people for next to nothing right now. It'll go up eventually, but yeah, it's a pretty cool program. Nice. Nice. And then talk about the mastermind. You have a mastermind down there coming yeah. up in the Dominican. And it's probably too late to get in on it this year, but will you do it next year? What what, what exactly is it? Yeah. Late January, I'm doing what's called the Midlife Entrepreneur Mastermind here in Punta Cana. Um, it is three to four days, 25th to 29th of January of immersive masterminding. And it'll be structured and facilitated, but I'm not teaching. That's not the objective of this because, okay. you know, what I am doing is I'm creating the structure, I'm creating the the environment and the facilitation for these folks that are coming. There's 14 coming, these wow. folks that are coming down to to within this structure, get themselves unlocked and unstuck with identity, with where they're going next in life. And, you know, the idea of freeing themselves from their job, their business, whatever it might be that they feel yeah. is holding them in place very successful people. Many of them are uh, already millionaires, multimillionaires mm -hmm. for that matter, coming down. All of them make six figures plus. So a really successful group of people that honestly, some of them, like, they could quit financially, no problem, yeah. but they're still feeling some sort of like risk, heavy risk. And really what it boils down to is identity. 
And we're going to spend yeah. the whole first day on identity, but the identity that they have had and disconnecting from that and doing something different, like, but what if this happens? What if that happens? Like the monkey yeah. mind is just taken over. So it'll be that we're going to a private Island on a charter on a private right. charter, which will be really cool. It's beautiful. We'll stop at this incredible sandbar on the way. I've got another adventure plan that I'm hoping to bring uh, to, to lock up here very soon, uh, which will be really cool. Um, you know, we're staying at a luxury house, you know, right near the beach. Uh, we're staying, we've got a private chef staff, you know, the whole nine it's full luxury golf carts, massage therapists, you name it, full luxury event, um, for what people, these, and these people are they're they're, they are luxury. They are, they've achieved yeah. a ton in their life and they deserve when they walk away from their job, not to, not to top ramen it again, that's college, yeah, yeah. right? Like yep. I've moved out of my job. My story is I moved out and thrived right? That's what I did. I didn't, I didn't take a step back financially. I was, I was over and up since I've left my job. And that's what I want for these folks. Like it's not about, Oh, just quit and live off of, you know, like just Mm -hmm. reduce your expenses down to nothing. I mean, you know, the idea is how do we, how do we go with an abundance mindset getting out of your job? How do we get you there? Cause a lot of them are ready. They're there, they can do it, but they're just, they're anchored by something and we're going to get them unstuck. Nice. I know you wanted to keep it small and intimate this year, but next year you're going to allow 30. You're going to are you, maybe you? we'll see. I'm going to see what this goes. I, I want to go through this. I want to get their feedback, get their thoughts, what works, what doesn't. And then okay. maybe, maybe we'll do, we'll do something in the, in the spring or early summer and, and blow it up a little bit, get 20 or 30 people down here. And again, I impact, man, like I, I've yeah. learned that, like, it's not about the money. It's about the impact. I mean, honestly, we've, We've we've stocked enough away right now where I wouldn't have to make any more money for a couple of years and mm-hmm. we'd be okay. So it's less about I got to make so much money in order to pay for my life right now and more about let me just focus on impact, especially yeah. as we're going into this economy. My I told my team this like we got to double down on value because where I want to be when everything turns and people see interest rates track down and jobs are coming back and mm-hmm. everybody's feeling like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm sick of barricading in my house over the last, however yeah. long it's been. And they're saying, I want to, I want to meet people. I want to go out. Like I want, I want to be the guy and the brand and the company where they say, wow, that guy was there the whole time. And he not only was there, but he kept coming with even more and more value. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what I want to be known as in this time. Uh, that's my dry powder is building my brand equity with these folks. Nice. Nice. What, so. uh, what did we miss? Anything I didn't ask about you want to talk about? Like, well, how, how could people follow you too, by the way? Yeah. I mean, look, YouTube is big for me. Jamie Gruber is the channel, uh, uh, at the Jamie Gruber on Instagram. Um, you can, you can go on my Instagram. There's a link there to get my midlife uh, confessions of a midlife entrepreneur newsletter. We've got over 10,000 people that get that newsletter 40, wow. 45% are opening it now uh, on a weekly basis. It's meaty. It's, it's the lessons I've learned that week or within the last couple of weeks, uh, as a new entrepreneur in midlife. And I think, um, I think anybody who's just sort of curious about the ups, the downs of leaving your job and, you know, going out on your own and doing all of that, it's a great newsletter for that. I give a lot, a lot of context in there, a lot of very specific numbers and metrics and dollars and all that stuff. Nice. All right, dude, anything else or you think that's it? I don't know. That's a long podcast. There's a long podcast. Yeah. Like Rogan-esque. It's like a Rogan podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. I was looking at the time going, holy shit, this is. It's just pretty impressive. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how many people want to hear it and hear my whole my whole psychobabble story. But no, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing yeah. this. Um, this was good, dude. This was really good. Right. Abundance card game. Here we go. You got it? No, I don't. But 
I know you do. This is the first one that came up. So it says, if you cashed it all in to, to live to one spot, I think I meant in one spot to live in one spot forever, Hmm. forever. Where would it be? Uh, Boston. If I had to live in one spot forever, I would live in downtown Boston. That would be my spot. Yeah. I mean, I love it here. It's beautiful. I love the weather. Um, all of that, you know, Boston gets cold in the winter, but man, there's just an energy to that city that aligns with me. It just feels, it feels like home to me whenever I'm there. So I would, it would be Boston. Really? Even with the winners, even with the winners. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the, the winners to me through Christmas are cool. I like them. It's kind of cozy and warm. Yeah. It's January, February, you know, you get past January, February, a little bit of March and it's like, if they suck, but when you're downtown, honestly, like if I'm living in, in Michigan where it's yeah. rarer than there and I'm in yeah. the suburbs, like that's one thing. But when you're downtown, man, you get to Uber over to some incredible restaurants, even on a winter yeah. night. Like, good point. I like the city. I really, really enjoy it. I like New York. I like them all, but Boston just, that's home. That's cool. All right, man. You want to take us out? I think this was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's it. Subscribe. Like, comment, give us a rating and review. If you're on watching the YouTube channel, I'd love to hear your thoughts below. Um, but no, man, I think that's uh, that's what I got. I appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time and listening to me. Thanks, man. Great, great time too. I enjoyed this. So we'll chat soon. All right.